You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome back to episode 21 of the Level Flight Podcast. As always, I am joined by Brian and Elliot today. How are you guys doing? Could be better after last night. I was up late uh, yeah. watching Disappointment. <laughs> that was bad. That was absolutely terrible. Yeah, um, we can get right into it. The Jets had a, a California road trip. Um, it started with the Ducks last Thursday, 3-2 win. Um, it feels like ages ago that they won that game because then they go to LA, they get smoked 4-1, and then obviously last night is last night. Um, but we can start with that Anaheim game. Um, I didn't really – like, it, again, the, I haven't felt good about a Jets win in a long time, and that win did nothing to change that just because they barely beat one of the worst teams in the league. So – I don't know if you guys have any like major sweeping takeaways from this. Like they won, um, but then the two games that they followed it up with weren't great at all. So does it really mean much? Like I don't know. What 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 did you guys see? They beat a bad team, and it was like this this big thing about you know some sort of redemption thing. You know, like you, when so Kyle Connor uh, finally broke out of the gold drought. Um, right which I mean, it's, it's great. Uh, but the other two goals came from Lowry and Appleton, which are not the guys you need to be leaning on for scoring. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, the jets were awfully close to just giving one of the worst teams in the league a point, um, which they seem to have a knack for doing. Um, they're single handedly so ru- they're ruining the uh, Bedard sweepstakes for some teams. They've now lost, I think to both Columbus and San Jose, since when those teams have respectively been in uh 32nd place yeah so uh, we were swept by the blues or the blue jackets sorry thank you for reminding me elliot that was i definitely needed that after what happened last night but no the um, ducks did, have was, we yeah the ducks game was essentially it was beating a bad team when it should have been a bigger goal disparity but they still had trouble scoring which made this game a lot closer than it should have been yeah yeah i I don't really know if there's other takeaways other than <laughs> there's overall takeaways from the entire road trip, uh, that entire California road trip, this specific game. All right. Other than the positive of we won, that's really about it. I, I don't even think like Connor said, I haven't felt good about the Jets win in a long time. Um, and yay, Kyle Connor broke his scoring drought and then now i would even say he's now in another one so i, I don't even know if he really got i don't think he really got out of the drought he just scored yeah i still think he's in the goal, drought his goal wasn't even like a kyle connor goal it was pierre luc dubois shot it it was sitting on the goal line and he whacked it in just with cleaning a up the garbage yeah yeah and it, it wasn't it, even it, like a, it wasn't like a greasy like rebound the puck was sitting on the goal line stationary yeah. and he poked it into the net and then he looks yeah. to this guy like, oh, I finally scored. It's like, okay. And then he goes. Yeah, if you didn't game. score there, I like you're cursed. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, and now he he still only has one goal in his last however many games, right? Like it, 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 I, it, I haven't seen a change in the way he's playing just because he scored that goal. Um, and that continued into LA where the Jets lost 4-1. Um, they had that five-minute power play where they got their goal. 
because Josh Morrissey got cross-checked to the face. Lazat got a Lazat got a one-game suspension. Um, but that they scored at the tail end of a five-minute power play. It was Pierre Luc Dubois, and the power play has gone over since. I'm pretty yeah. sure they're now over nine since. Um, so just like Kyle Connor. Like they broke the the, uh, the the drought and then went on to start a new one um, because the power play got shut out. Did they really leave the Canada. drought at all? Right, because a five minute power play, like if you don't score on that, that's pretty brutal. It's not that they, they didn't really do it. Like they literally did nothing on it. It took like a full four minutes to yeah. actually get fully set up and start generating anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that so that that happened. They broke the pl- uh, power play curse, which didn't really happen. Uh, but they got they got smoked by LA. LA is a really good team, one of the hottest teams in the league. Um, I don't think there's much else to take away from this game, but there's a lot on the San Jose game. So if you guys just want to move right into that, we can move right into that because I think that's the game that says a lot. Yeah. The just only, before we move in there, yeah, yeah. I just want to say uh, the Anaheim game is a example of. Uh, clearly taking a team for granted and then not taking anything out of the win. Yeah. Um, because if they were actually, you know, trying to improve what they're doing, they would say, okay, here's what went well. Here's what didn't let's continue what we did well. Cause it wasn't as if they were, you know, on some crazy back to back. They had time to prep uh, and then they came out and sucked. So <laughs> I don't know, but no. And then speaking of, sucking san jose uh it, it, you talked about this at length last night on with our friends over at uh, game over winnipeg um yeah. there was nothing that could be said to justify losing to the 32nd ranked team in the league there's no they weren't yes james reimer came out uh and you know actually I guess he was. Uh, you could say that he they were goalied if they actually uh, played mm-hmm. to the point. Wait, mm-hmm. uh, if they actually <laughs> played to the point of actually creating enough chances, it just felt like they were throwing everything at him. So because uh, there was all of these shots, it looked like uh, we were just oh shoot, we got goalied. You're not getting goalied at this point in the year. Score goals. Yeah. Finish your yeah. chances. That was the point that I was gonna make. Is- make plays. The I, Scott Billick tweeted out something yesterday, basically saying, "When does this? When does the like us getting goalied stop? When does the he, nightmare he, end?" Yeah, yeah, right here. I will. I will directly quote Scott Billick right here. I have it right here from last night. At what point does getting goalied cease to be an excuse with seventy-five games down in an eighty-two game NHL season? Exactly. At this point of the year, you just have to find a way to score. It's either you played well or you didn't. There's no. There's really no unless. You're, unless it's a 3-2 game and you play a really good third period and you just can't score, there's nothing really else that you can really yeah. say about being goalied at this point in the year. Yeah, and I said last night on Game Over, like you said, Brian, I was saying how they've been goalied so many times that it's not a, it's not a coincidence. It's not an excuse at this point. They lack shooting talent. And you can say, oh, they had 40 whatever shots, but how many of those shots were really high danger looks like the Mason Appleton one that should go in the net. James Reimer's not even in the crease. He sticks his paddle out, makes this ridiculous save. And that that's one that should go in, but point shots with no one in front 
hits James Reimer in the chest, no rebound. That counts as a shot just as much as a Mason Appleton was does. And they had 40 of those. Like it's it there's a point where they're just throwing everything on net and making it easy on goalies. Joel Hofer shut them out. Um James Reimer shut them out. James Reimer shut the door at home um where the Jets lost to the Sharks two weeks ago. Right. So this it, it's really not an excuse at all anymore. Uh, you can't like, yeah, you can say they got goalie, but that can't be the sole reason you lose because you need to find ways to win at this point in the year. Um, yeah. But they do end up losing this game, right? They don't get the two points. Um, and a lot of what we are here to talk about today is uh, Rick bonus's comments, not necessarily after the game, but basically from the last week um, because a lot of deployment issues that we keep talking about um but then again, I, I just want to say this before, because I'm sure deployment issues will come up. I said this last night as well. The Jets aren't good enough to beat both Rick Bonus and their opponents. So they're not a good enough team to be deployed suboptimally and still win games, right? You can't beat LA if you aren't perfectly lined up the way you're supposed to be. That's why deployment is such an issue for the Jets. If Boston comes out and they're not running their best version of their top line, okay, Linus Allmark's going to steal them a game and their decor is going to go off and they're still going to win, right? The Jets aren't good enough to... to Patrice Bergeron on the fourth line. They're not good (laughs) enough to play Nikolai Ehlers in the bottom six and still overcome that and win, right? So... Yeah. um, Someone like Morgan Barron, like eight minutes last night, playing Ehlers like several minutes less than, you know, Wheeler. That's not how you... you And Barron's looked good. He has. And and that's what I don't understand. We've been talking about this for weeks. I don't understand. Yeah. And he looked good again last night. So, yeah. What what do you guys take away from the way the Jets lined up, basically, in the Sharks game? Because that's obviously a a massive topic of conversation here. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? No, you had the the finger up there. I want to see what you have to say first to see if I echo it. (sighs) Well, so if we're talking about bonus comments, I – I talked about it last episode and I talked about effort and I don't even want to classify the, obviously the Anaheim game is a win, but I don't even know if effort was, yes, effort may have been there and they like were being played evenly against a team that is in the Bedard sweepstakes or at least a top three pick selection, potentially depending on the lottery. Other than that, it's like the last two games have not shown me that, there's been any sort of change in their effort at all. Absolutely. So it's, it's just, it's frustrating because we had this chat bonus seemed to want to have, have a change with the core and nothing's changed. So I, I, I don't understand what the, what the issue is. So like, and even last night with, after the game, I, I, I just don't, like they're guys of different messages than what the coach has. Some of them agree with the coach. Some of them don't see it. Some guys think that they run the show when they're not the coach and they're not part of management and they just think that they can do whatever they want. So that that's my take on it all. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, th- I think the issue and I've, I've come to terms with this over the last few weeks here when essentially we've been hearing all of these critiques from bonus and all these, you know, strong quotes from him they're all hollow words because he's still running the same top six out there. Yeah. Like in, unless you decide that, okay, it's time to demote uh, Blake Willard, time to demote Mark Shifley. 
nothing matters with what you're saying. Like he, he, last night after the game, if we do not see uh, a, a player like a Shifley or a Wheeler, especially Shifley, because it's, there was that, that giveaway that led to the goal uh, and gave the puck away. And it was if he could not be bothered with figuring out where that puck was going after that. No effort, nothing at all. Um, and then last night, Bonus says, some of these guys think they're giving us everything in their tank. They're dreaming. Okay, then send the message. Move them yeah. down the lineup. Sit them. Do something. Like it, You're doing all of these things and coming and saying the right things to the media, but then proceeding to not actually follow it up. Like Nikolai Ehlers last night, flying. He just he, he, he was really one of the only guys actually giving it, you know, they're all, it seemed. Uh, when your bottom six is the only, you know, group of guys that is actually giving you an effort, maybe it's time to shift the top six around and move them down and try and get them going with the guys who apparently are the only ones who give you effort. Like, I don't, I really don't understand. Like, there were so many things early in the season about accountability. And it feels like we're still in the Maurice era with guys like Shifley and Wheeler just being able to do whatever the hell they want and not being punished for it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the quote you highlighted there with the some of the guys think they're giving everything in, in the tank they're dreaming. I want to pose the question to you guys. Besides Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, who, like you said, have yet to be punished for clearly some defensive lapses, some some effort issues that we've seen. Um, who else do you think he could be talking about? Like, is there Why like, do no, I one, have a... no one really jumps to mind? Like, okay, maybe he thinks Nikolai Ehlers. Obviously, we, I, I don't think that. Um, but maybe that's why Ehlers keeps getting demoted, is he thinks that. But a guy like Morgan Barron, who works his butt off on the fourth line every game and generates a ton, he's giving you everything in the tank, and he's still on the fourth line. He's not being promoted for it. It's like th- there are ways to do it, but I, I, like, do you guys really see anyone other than mm. Shifley and Wheeler? The only other person I can maybe think of him talking about would have been Ehlers, but then he had the comments about he likes how Ehlers has been playing recently. Just wants yeah. him to be more consistent, which with a player like Ehlers, I'm sorry, you're going to get some giveaways. That's the whole point of it. Like his game is just going to generate. It's like having a speedy more aggressive athletic point guard look at russell westbrook he generates more turnovers but he also generates a lot of offensive opportunities either on driving kicks or to the rim right it's same thing with ehlers he's gonna give away the puck trying to create that's that's his whole game is just creating chances for himself for others other than wheeler and shifley i mean you could think about somebody well can't be vlad nemesikov you go through the roster because bonus loves how nemesikov's been playing it really can't be Niederreiter because, again, Niederreiter's looked like one of the best players on the team since coming here. Right. Um, and, I mean, we'd all like to say Sakumina Linen over here, but, I mean. But you've, you've hit the point, though, where, like, Saku or not, he's not, like, that fourth line is getting no time at all. I don't think taking him out in favor of, like, an AJF does anything. Um. Yeah. You have when to be looking the at the top AJ guys. Played. I think a name that we really need to start talking about, and it sucks because I think he might be in the history of our Jets fandom, the most frustrating point per game player we've ever seen, Kyle Connor. Yeah. And the only reason he's a point per game is because he went off in the months prior. Uh, since March 12th, he has two points. 
<laughs> and then hey, remember and, to and, start the year. Um, I remember the one of the first episodes we did. He had like a 13 game goalless drought to start the year, and then now he's seemingly gone cold again. He had that 10 or 11 game drought. He scored the one, but now he hasn't scored since. Um, and yeah, point or two points since March 12th. I don't know when he's not producing. He doesn't provide much else to this lineup, and he's and he's, he's not really a good. Def- he 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 doesn't have a defensive bone in his game, like at all. And so, yes, I was gonna make mention. I, I threw that up to you, Brian. That's why I said there was nobody else. I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about Kyle. <laughs> like I'm looking at like Kyle Connor's game log here, and he's supposed to be our finishing talent. It's him. He like obviously Shifley is he's become really the only reliable goal scorer in the group. Uh, which says a lot about the group. He's coming um, back down though. Like yeah. he's regressing from his shooting tear. Like he's at yeah. he's completely goals, regressed. He hasn't scored. He hasn't he scored is completely regressed. Yeah. That that that's my take on that. He has completely regressed. But yeah, Kyle like, Connor though, our goal scorer has one goal in the mar- month of March, and that was against Anaheim. And the puck was sitting on the goal line. He yeah. It in. <laughs> but, that's the thing but, though. But I'm also I'm just not seeing him like actually taking the correct shots anymore. Like right. in the first month of the season, he was doing everything that he normally would do. And it wasn't going in. Now he's not doing anything that he would normally do. And it's not going in, which is more predictable. We mainly agreed to start the year that he was snake bitten. That first goal drought. It's like, he's hitting the post. He's, he's getting amazing looks. Um, now he's a goalie just, robs him. Like yeah. now he's just playing now, poorly. <laughs> Now, yeah, yeah it's uh, like he had the breakaway last night with like a minute and a half left um, that he missed. Okay, um, but that doesn't the, count. The... <laughs> on the but, PK, but... that counts. Come on, that counts. I, play to the I horn. Don't know. That counts. I, no, well, I, well, but that, yes, play to the, the, play to the horn. We we talked about. We'll talk about more effort. Play to the horn. Right. Like, but like, yeah. the, if he scores there, great. But that doesn't count that he's out of a goalless drought or he's playing differently. That's a freak chance that he gets a breakaway on on the penalty kill. That's not, hey, from five on five open play, he, like, I don't know, one timer, snipes one. Like, I I don't know. It's, he's just so frustrating because you know you're going to get at least probably, well, at this point in his career, um, you're going to get around 75 to 80 points from him and when you look at the stats you go wow he actually had a pretty decent season like yeah the Jets were great and if we don't think about this you people will go back and look and go oh wow Kyle Connor was a really good point producer so he even though he was on those bad Jets teams he was the one bright spot no not really because he goes through these goals he's been gone through two goalless droughts now this season one like we said more snake bitten this one just not playing well but he just goes on tears. And I, I know it's not the offseason. I don't want to talk about roster construction too much. But when Which you we did that, that last yeah, week, go check out the episode. Yes, go check out that episode. Because my only comment will be as much as having an elite, and I will still say he's an elite finishing talent on our team. It says a lot when you look at other teams and you look at our list and you think about elite shooting talents. And the only name that comes to mind is Kyle Connor. There's yeah, nobody else I mean, on that list that you can go. Maybe they're in that conversation, or you have a bunch of solid finishers. Like right now, I would that say guy that Patrick Line. 
Man, you know, I really wish we had drafted a player at number three that could score goals and was also a really good finisher on the penalty kill. Playing center now. I but I don't don't even know if I want to get into that conversation because that also had to do with the management doing weird things about how they wanted to deploy him and how they wanted his play style to be. They tried to change him as a player. I don't even want to get into that. But... Like, uh, I don't want to yeah. talk about roster construction, but that's kind of my thought is you have one really good finisher, one can be good sometimes in Mark Shifley, and then you look around and go, okay, the, the room is empty. When you look at all the other contenders, they have at least four or five names, and they've got other guys that can contribute, but they aren't considered finishers. Yeah, this is this is also the issue that the Carolina Hurricanes have been putting up with for years now. They've been number one in the league, and shots for chances generated whatever advanced shot metric you want to look at they're top five easily but every year they can't beat Igor Shosturkin or they can't beat Andre Vasilevsky right it's it's because they have no finishing talent and they tried to fix it by trading for Max Pacioretty who then was coming off an Achilles tear got hurt again um, but they took on seven million dollars of cap uh, for a 34 year old player who has finished above average uh, in years past and they tried to do all that just to fix their issue so i think there is still like there, there's obviously still room um in the league that like uh elite finishing talents are put at a premium even if they don't contribute as much five on five but at times they can be frustrating like we're like we're saying because if well, they're not finishing what are they doing right carolina is interesting though is because they they identified the fact that they have finishing issues right. by making it so they don't give up anything. They are arguably the best defensive team in the league, largely because, I mean, Rod the Bod Brindamore uh, has created such a level of standard on that defensive group, um, which they like, obviously th- they play a very interesting style of defense because there's really, they're not that typical shutdown group. They just are really good at moving the puck and getting it away from whoever's in net for them. Um, mm-hmm. it's something that the Jets have never actually gone out of their way to improve. The coaching staffs, whoever it is, uh, don't do anything similar. Like when you're looking at, I was looking at a, a Jay Fresh card recently, and he does the whole, um, the rank among percentiles for every team in the category, and essentially in defensive categories, Hurricanes were top three in all of them, all of the metrics. Yeah, and what that does then is it kind of compensates for the fact that maybe they're not scoring four or five goals a game. They make it so that if you score two or three, you've got a decent shot at winning the Jets scoring two or three usually means they lose five, three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they're playing a team with a bad goalie. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up my thoughts on the subject here just because I feel like we're going to get to a point where we just start ranting and, you know, going on repeat here. I legitimately think that the Maurice years have, tainted that top six with especially Connor Shifley Wheeler. That line was stapled together for years. That line was questioned with their effort level, their defense for years. Have you noticed that those three are now the ones suddenly thrust into the controversy of this? Like, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that the, the lack of accountability and their ability to just do whatever they wanted to uh, for those, you know, several years there, especially the last few uh, allowed them to settle in so much that they feel as if that maybe they don't deserve the criticism. 
And I, I think that somehow they got the coaching staff to buy into that because uh, if the if the staff didn't agree with that, they would have seen a decrease in their ice time. Blake Wheeler's getting more ice time now. You know, and like, there's the the infamous I, – I do want to bring this up just because a lot of people on Twitter are talking about it, but the eye roll last night. Yeah. Um, Murat Atesh of The Athletic asked about um, a question about how Dylan DeMello was saying he wants to keep shot counts high. So basically – um, shoot from everywhere, right? And Shafley in the post game said that he likes to hold on to the puck and look for better opportunities. So that's shooting less, um, like quality over quantity. Um, bonus listens to Demello's question or Demello's point of view, and then when when Murat brings up Shafley, he rolls his eyes um, because I think, yeah, and I think Bonus's philosophy is um, the shoot from everywhere, create chaos in the crease, um, don't hold on to the puck for too long type thing so maybe he was rolling his eyes at that specifically the i like to hold on to the puck thing rather than the fact that it was shifley that said it um but then again like if there's a disconnect between coach philosophy and player philosophy or between you, players like or between even, players even, yeah, it's mellow and that, that's yeah. even worse because then you're walking you're with your teammates and you're going to be dis, you're going to start to go one saying shoot the puck, and so you shoot the puck, and you got another teammate saying, Why'd you do that? And then it just creates a bad locker room because not everyone's either bought into the system or agrees with the system. Yeah. And I just wanted to highlight that because it, it, it could blow up here. It could become like a big national media thing that he rolled his eyes at a question about Mark Shifley. Um, a lot of the local media is talking about it, though, and I, I just thought we should bring it up because it's notable that he rolled his eyes at Mark Shifley's response to that question. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, you really need the whole team to kind of buy into the whole accountability thing. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing really more frustrating than seeing some guys doing more than others when not seeing the words of everyone backing it up. It just feels very disappointing to see. Yeah. And at the start of the year, you know, morale seemed so high. The vibes. Uh, yeah, the vibes. Vibes per 60, right? Uh, no, yeah. but the the Mark Shifley quote, remember after the Panthers game, where he basically said like, oh, you can tell that with the new coaching staff, there's a lot of rejuvenated faces in that room and we're feeling a lot better about our game and stuff. Um, now it's just you, you watch any post-game press conference, even after a win. And they just look defeated. Um, yeah. It it's a complete one eighty, but Some, they something have, must have happened. I don't know. I, I think just well, winning fixes losses, right? Yeah, like um, yeah. I, I just don't like know it, how it, this group. I think is probably just so fed up with losing that they've just kind of lost the the, the shine. Before, of... Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, before we move on to the the, we're gonna do a little Manitoba Moose check in, but before we move on. The NHL standings, Winnipeg, 85 points, seven games remaining. Um, Calgary, 83 points, seven games remaining. And Nashville at 82 points with nine games remaining. Um, or wait, yeah, nine. Um, what do you guys make of that? Do you think the Jets are safe? I mean, their schedule coming up, they get San Jose again. They get guaranteed Calgary. loss. Yeah, guaranteed yeah. loss to San Jose. They get, um, they get Calgary and Nashville. At home, uh, I believe huge, uh, huge homestand. Calgary's a week from today. Huge homestand coming up. So, what do you guys think? Do you think they they beat Calgary and Nashville in those two games and make the playoffs, or if you're if you're looking at it right now, you think it's 
Calgary spot to lose, Nashville spot to lose. Where are you guys at? I'll start with it's Brian. It's hard to say with any form of confidence that the Jets are hanging on to the spot. Yeah. Like, I said this to you, I've said it to you multiple times, mentioned it last night in the chat on Game Over. I honestly think that two or three games uh, where Markstrom looks like himself from last year, last night was one of them. Um, I think two or three games of that, Calgary gets in. Yeah. Because they've been playing fairly well, and their goaltending has sunk them. So uh, with how the Jets have been sliding since the beginning of like February, um, I honestly think that it's a big enough sample size to say, I don't know, unless there's something insanely big that's coming in practice in the next couple of days with changes. Um, I I, I cannot say with uh, certainty that the Jets will be able to hold off one of those teams. That's the thing. I was I was writing about the Western Conference playoff picture for uh, a Seattle article I was writing for the hockey writers. Uh, shameless plug. Um, and uh, essentially at the beginning, I prefaced it by saying uh, I wouldn't really worry about the Jets because they can't string together enough wins to really move ahead. And yeah. I don't think that's incorrect. Like, Yeah. And it seems like Nashville is just winning games out of like like they made Boston on the road last night. And I don't, the Jets I don't lost know. To, and the Jets <laughs> lost to San Jose. Like if you just look at it like that, it's ridiculous. Obviously, UC Soros stole them a game. Yeah. Um, Nashville never like they rarely win the uh, advanced analytics battle where they're supposed to beat a team. Uh, but UC Soros again. You, you said about Markstrom, UC Soros is a top three goalie in the league. Yep. So if he somehow uh, goes on even more of a heater down the stretch, Nashville's in a better spot than Winnipeg too. They could get leapfrogged by both of these teams. Um, if they lose to them, right, they get Calgary and Nashville at home back-to-back. Um, it's not two nights in a row, but two games in a row at home coming up. If they lose both of those games, they're not making the playoffs. They need no. to win. They, pro- they definitely need to beat Calgary. I don't know where Nashville's going to be. Because I haven't really, I never really believed in Nashville except they've for got Sorrow. a harder schedule if I recall right. correctly. Right. Um, Which but I mean, again, they, they had Boston, Boston. Uh, so I guess Boston. it doesn't matter. No, no, it doesn't matter. And the Jets had an easier one um, with San Jose, right, and lost. So I don't know, but I, I, I think Calgary's the main threat. So that yeah. that game, I think, a week from today is going to be huge. I'm gonna just quickly cap this off and say that well two two things first off they need to bait not i'm not saying they have to win out but they basically need to be taking points from every single game if you're looking at it you don't look at their form you don't look at anything that we've been talking about recently let's just say it's a clean slate starting now to end the season you need to beat calgary and uh nashville you need to not give them points either. You have to beat them in regulation because they will take it and you take points at, the, at any point this season. But then against everybody else, you obviously, we don't think they would beat San Jose, but you'd have to beat San Jose. You'd have to beat, um, there's somebody else in there that you that was a winnable game. But then all the other games, sure. you have to be taking points from. So that's the, that's the first thing. So you basically have to either win or get to the end of regulation with a tie and, and get uh, get points. 
The other thing I want to say is I have a terrible feeling and I want, and this is going to sound terrible. I want this team to miss the playoffs. I want this team to miss the playoffs. That's going to go over very well with with some of our listeners. (laughs) And, And that's fine. The reason why is so that we can stop complaining about some of these things. Do I think they will make the playoffs? Unfortunately, yes. I want them to miss. I have a very weird feeling that something randomly clicks. They go on a little four-game win streak to end the season. They squeak in by one or two points. And then the entire organization goes, wow, we made the playoffs. And now we're going to win a series. And then nothing happens this offseason. But I want, just to quickly wrap up, I want them to miss the playoffs so that there is changes. So that this the future of this franchise is in a better place. That that makes sense. The, the whole, um, you know there's not enough accountability if they miss the playoffs maybe there will be but then again they ran it back last year right so i i don't know if they'd have faith doing that but yeah um before we roll into the manitoba moose check-in brian has a few messages well you know we're talking about the drama of the jets right now but let's talk about the drama of the biggest tournament in college basketball it's underway and the action is just getting started on DraftKings sportsbook one of america's top rated sportsbook apps Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odd boosts uh, throughout the entire tournament, so you can keep track on that the entire time. Uh, So just make sure you check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. I've said this for the last three weeks. Riding UConn to the final. UConn. Got some some stuff riding on them there. Um, I mean, you, you've got the final four set now. You got SDSU and FAU on one side. You got Miami and UConn on the other. One of those is clearly a bit more of a higher seated battle, but both should be quite interesting. I know Elliot has a, a hatred for SDSU, uh, so uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, but you know, that's where we're, we're at. Obviously, everyone else is going to have their own little picks. Maybe your bracket's somehow still kind of intact. Uh, but, you know, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, on I'm to a more UConn. fun team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, before we move on, uh, yeah. what a weird Final Four. You know, like no one again. I obviously you, there will you make, be a mid-major team in the national championship game. You you, if you make told a bracket, me that to start. Right, you make a bracket for it to be busted. Obviously, right? Like no one's ever gonna have a perfect. Not bracket, like this, whatever. but like this no. is ridiculous. I like this. FAU. I had, I had you. They were an upset pick, but like I mean, they had to play a sixteen. So true. It's... They escaped Purdue. All right, we can uh, Purdue. We were always fading Purdue. All three of Frogs. us. All right. In, uh, in our, I, in our I just want to yeah. say I don't hate San Diego State. I just don't like how they play. I think it's kind of boring. They're a good I don't team. Hate them. I, I just I, don't like them. I, I don't <laughs> like how I don't like their play style. Their 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 coaching staff and their team is good. I just don't like how they play. It just it for me how I like to play basketball is a little bit more high paced. Yes, I'll play defense, but they're super ultra defense. Lock it down. Like they're like the Islanders. They want to keep it as low scoring as possible. And basically, quote unquote, trap it up. I mean, they do. So you, press. Li- you like so to play at a high pace, and you like to play at a high pace and cheat for offense. Yep. And you're you're a finishing talent. 
I think we have Kyle Connor live here uh, on the Lone <laughs> podcast. No. <laughs> well, unlike um, Kyle Connor, I don't go on as cold streaks. But... You don't go on cold streaks. Wow. All right. <laughs> we will move on to um, a team that's actually in the middle of a bit of a cold streak. The Manitoba Moose. Um, so they, they had an eight-game homestand to end off February, begin March kind of thing. Then they went on the road. Um, they had mixed results on the road. Their power play went cold a little bit. Now they're back home for another eight-game homestand, and they just lost back-to-back games in regulation to the Laval Rocket, um, the HL affiliate of the um, Montreal Canadiens, uh, who are – they were last in their division coming into those two games and then won both. So they they leapfrogged uh, the Senators and Cleveland Monsters. But without Declan Chisholm – who is out six to eight weeks. Um, that was reported about a week ago, a uh, high ankle sprain. Uh, that's a huge, huge loss for them because now they can't, they can't really split up the, the, they have, they had three elite defensemen, elite HL defensemen, right? Hanala, Gavanka and Chisholm. Now Hanala and Gavanka are on the same pairing. And when they're not on the ice, it doesn't really look good. Uh, there's a lot of puck management issues. Um, their penalty kill got scored on a few times against Laval, which is uncharacteristic of them. Um, but they're still in it. You know, they're 34, 21, 5, and 4, 77 points. Uh, they're going to make they're, – they're, they got to win some games down the stretch. So they can't, like, lose out, obviously, but they're in a good spot to make the playoffs. Uh, they're four points back of Milwaukee and Texas for the division lead. So they're right there. But then again, no Declan Chisholm. Alex Limoges is out. He's been day-to-day. Evan Poli's out. Wyatt Bongiovanni's out. Um, all these players are like roughly day-to-day, but they need them back um, if they want to to really make a run here and, and try and win the division, or else they're going to end up playing Milwaukee again, um, which happened last year. They lost um, in Game 5 on home ice. But... Um, I know you guys like try and keep up with the moves. So have you have you seen anything of late? Like, have you watched any of the games without Chisholm uh, specifically? Uh, I mean, I, I tuned in a little. Okay. It just it automatically felt as if the transition game was diminished a little. Not there. Not there. Um, yeah. All of the offense, because that's the thing. Uh, Chisholm was sitting second in team scoring. Yeah. He had 43 points in 59 games. Uh, to the other massive injury loss in Alex Limoges, who has yeah. 50 and 55. Right. Um, it just felt as if the offensive game died. Yeah. Like yeah. there was like the whole point of uh, sort of moose hockey for the large part of the season has just been be very aggressive, get to where you need to be transition game strong. Um, and I, I mean, I watched specifically. I watched that. Uh, um, that's I believe it was on Sunday that game against Laval. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. looked like zombies out there when they were trying to move the puck. Yeah, the puck management is just not there. Uh, it looks like when when Hainala got called up earlier in the year, and then they were missing him. I asked Eric Dubois about it, and he was like, "Yeah, like transition is such a big part of what we do, and without him in the lineup." Um, or I think I asked it when Hanala came back and he said, yeah, with him in the lineup, we're, we're way more effective in that aspect kind of thing. Uh, and with Chisholm being out for likely the remainder of the year, unless they, they go deeper in the Calder cup playoffs and they 
comes back late. Um, they're going to have to find a way to overcome it uh, because they have one exceptional puck mover in Hanala. Um, Gavanka is a, above average puck mover. Everyone else is kind of league average to below league average in terms of moving the puck. They're, they're very physical. Um, they move people out in front of the net, but transition isn't their strong suit. And when you are already missing a guy like Limoges up front, you're just, it, you're kind of lost to an extent, right? Um, I will say though, Jansen Harkins has been lighting oh, really? it up. Yeah, he's yeah. got 42 points in 36 60. games. Well, yeah, he's been perhaps great. more impressive is he's got 21 goals in 36 games. He scores. He scores a lot. He's he's shooting the puck a ton too. Um, I I think they're telling him to shoot the puck a ton because he's getting to high danger areas. So why not? Um, but yeah, I I want to ask you guys whether you think Jansen Harkins should get a shot really uh, with the Jets because obviously he's been dominating the AHL. Um, he's scoring so many goals. The Jets are struggling to score goals. Um, do you think that makes sense? I'll start with you, Elliot. Would, would you like to see Harkins maybe called up and given a shot? I mean, obviously, I think I would say that based on his stats. And obviously, I've been, I noticed that he's been on a heater and trying to keep up with that. But what we've talked about before in previous episodes and in the past is the Jets like to play him in a different role when he comes up. He's in a different role when he's with the Moose, right? He's more of a goal-scoring power forward when he's down in the minors. When he comes up, he's just a four-checking winger right. center that kind of plays everywhere. So depending on how they play him, if they decide that, you know what, we need him to come up and shoot the puck a ton and be a scoring power forward, then absolutely call him up immediately, get him at practice, get him going. But if the decision is made to bring him up as just an extra body for him to hopefully score goals in this other way that they like to play him, then nope, just leave him in the AHL, keep him at high confidence levels to A, help out your younger prospects and keep that team in the playoffs so that they get some more experience, get some more games played under the belt, but also for his own confidence. So that maybe when he comes up, maybe he just decides to say, you know what? whatever, I'm just going to shoot and try to score and I'll play this style of play that I played in the minors. And maybe they'll, and once, maybe if that starts to get going, maybe management and coaching will look at it and go, oh, you know what? He can actually do this. Let's play him in this role. I, I like the thing you said about how getting them into the playoffs for, you know, those young players. There was a quote I saw on Twitter. It was a long time ago, so I can't really remember. But I believe it was John Tortorella who said the biggest thing for AHL players and like young prospects was making the Calder Cup playoffs. Like you can develop them throughout the year. You can tinker with this or that. But when you are getting playoff experience at 19 years old, 20 years old in a professional league, that is when yeah. you really make those strides, right? Um, so getting into the playoffs for guys like Ville Hainala, for Henry Neekin and for Daniel Torgerson, for Parker Ford, who's 22 years yeah. old and was just signed, yeah. right? Um, for all these young game. players. Yeah, he's, yeah a, goal he's a goal scorer. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he, like, that. that is huge. And I, I think you make a great point that they can't just call Harkins up um, and then maybe the moose go, they sputter, right? They're already missing a few guys and they miss yeah. the playoffs and they lose out on that crucial development time. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I really wanted to highlight that cause I, I thought that was a pretty good perspective there. Well, I'm going to kind of piggyback off that too. And essentially say that unless you're bringing Harkins up to slot him into the middle six, top six, 
to try and boost the offense. There's no point because you're going to put him on the yeah. fourth line just to be an energy guy. Uh, clearly, he's showing that that's not just his game. Um, yeah. And I know, obviously, the the thing is, oh, it hasn't you know transitioned to the NHL well enough. Is I just don't think he's been playing in the right situations in the last two years. I think when he first started was um, for him uh, getting put into the top six. I think was too much, uh, and he had yet to really find his game. Um, he's playing with you know Dom Toninato and Jeff Malott, so two guys that I mean, obviously Toninato in the NHL is not an offensive body. He does enough in the AHL to help Harkin succeed. Malott's been one of the more consistent offensive guys for the Moose over the last few mm-hmm. years. Putting him with guys who are actually going to try and score on the top line uh, with the Moose would absolutely translate to the NHL if you put him with guys who are all- also trying to score. If you put him with Appleton and Lowry, he's not going to go out there and score a goal per game. But if you put him with a guy like, you know, like put him on a line with, you know, Dubois and Niederreiter, for, for example, that's not, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you bring him up, put him in the top six right now. Right. But if you're going to, you know, try him in the top six or put him with uh, Nemesnikov and, you know, Shifley or whoever. Maybe then suddenly he's like, oh, he's actually getting to the spots where he needs to score. So I, I think the key here is actually if, if you're serious about bringing him up, put him with the players in order for him to succeed and also to help them succeed. Yeah, I agree. I, I think also if they want a fourth-line energy guy, Axel Janssen-Fialbi is already up with the team. He's and he there. hasn't played in a while. I yeah, He's eligible for the playoffs uh, to come back down for the Moose. They needed to they, – they made that deadline for that. So I'm sure he'll come back down um, when the Moose do qualify for the playoffs. But he should get a game in the NHL. I, I, yeah. I can't really – we can't – like, why not, you know? Like, we can't really go too much in depth. But, like, he's an energy guy. Well, we've run the same forward group for what, like two, three weeks now without moving anyone in and out of the lineup. So why not? Why not change it up? You know, last thing I do want to say is, and I, I will actually sing the organization's praises for this. They did this last year. Um, You bring up AJF. I was also going to bring up the half the reason why I mentioned the making the playoffs, not just for the young prospects, but for last year with Morgan Barron. That re- mm-hmm. I think that I, I think him coming down, re- I don't know if that lit a fire under his butt or if like it just he needed some confidence. But I actually genuinely think that was good for his development to play some playoff hockey and for him to just kind of get going against competition that was, I would say, at or a little bit below his level at that time for him right. to start showing that he can produce as a as a middle six or a bottom six winger. So yeah, that, no, that's, that's, that, that's why I brought that up, but because I think that helped him. And I think that in this case with Harkins, I think at this point, honestly, at this point, I think you just keep him in the, in the minors. That's that. No, that's a really good point with Baron because I believe he was 22 and they just traded for him at the deadline kind of thing. And he played in the playoffs and I believe it was a point of game. I think he had five points in the five games. Yeah. Um, and he and was, was like great. three goals. I think yeah. I think he had and three he was, goals. I think he was great. he, he that's exactly what he needed and it furthers the point that john tortorella made where young players develop way more in the in the five playoff games uh that they get than they do with maybe 20 games of ahl experience right so uh, i think the moose really um they've struggled as of late but once they get alex limoges back maybe they get some more energy guys back up front they should be okay um the playoffs against milwaukee seeing how they shape out might get interesting but Again, 
Um, without yeah, without Declan Chisholm, it's it's a tough road ahead. I I just wanted to highlight that. Do a little yeah. loose check in. Well, yeah, Brian, I mean, before we wrap things up here, because I know we're mm-hmm. getting close to time, but uh, sure. you're in and around the team more than either Elliot and I are. You <laughs> you talk to some of the players, you talk to the coaches. Um, even though because uh, they've been sputtering as of late, what's the vibe you're getting from certain players to sort of say that they're not overly concerned? Well. They they're not overly concerned yet, I would say, because because okay, we talked to Mark Morrison after Sunday's game against Laval, and he said um March has been one of the craziest schedules that he's ever been a part of in sports. Uh so there's that. Uh he said he was he was just like, We're not coming to the ring tomorrow. We're just not going to. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he was like, Yeah, we're we're all gassed. We've been playing a million games in March. Um, so we're just not gonna come to the ring tomorrow and just reset. So I don't know if it's, but then again, they play Thursday, they play Saturday, um, and like their schedule is going to keep going here. And then they they have an eight game home stand. They're going to go on the road, so the schedule is not really going to lighten up down the stretch. Um, but I don't think they're concerned yet. Like they haven't, they're not really showing it. They're still fighting. They're still playing hard. I just think that they're in their mindset. They're going through a rough patch in their schedule, and they've just got to fight through it and get as much rest as they can, um, as opposed to were worried about the on ice product like the, in the first game against laval um or sorry the game before that they still generated like 40 something shots without declan chisholm in the lineup right so they've proven that they can still um dominate a game without declan chisholm it's just much tougher and it just subsequently happened is happening at a time where their schedule is so ridiculous that they might not be able to overcome it at this very moment but th- I, they can turn it around down the stretch maybe take a few more off days uh, maybe not practicing as much on days off. I don't know what the plan is there. Um, it seems as though Morrison is leaning more towards taking days off rather than pushing through. Um, I know that was a big question with the Jets when they had a crazy schedule after the All-Star break too, or before the All-Star break as well. Um, but yeah, I think th- they're not overly concerned about the on-ice product just yet. If they lose a couple more games, they got Abbotsford on Thursday and Saturday. If they drop those two games, then it'll be a different story. Oh yeah, but uh, we'll wrap up there. Um, talked a lot about, you know, what coaches are saying from the NHL to the AHL. Um, yeah. Bonuses, comments, deployment. Um, we we covered a lot, and there's a lot to talk about right now because the Jets just aren't winning games, plain and simple. Um, like I said earlier, they have seven games left. They're they're about to embark on a, a five game homestand that features the Red Wings, Devils, Flames, Predators, and Sharks. Um, the only un like scheduled loss I think is the San Jose Sharks on that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> looking forward to another uh, season sweep from the San Jose uh, to Winnipeg. But from Brian, Elliot, and I, thank you everyone for listening to the 21st episode of the Level Five Podcast, and we will see you next week. Go Jets! Go Jets! Go Jets! You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.